there. I didn't see you there. Welcome to one of four socially distant Last Time on Video Games Christmas cabins. Did you come here for our Christmas special? You're not too late. Come on in. Over here on Skype, I've got some of Last Time on Video Games' best hosts. Like, there's one Skyping in right now. Knock, knock. Oh, wait, should I foley that? Like, you're editing this. No, should I make a knocking noise for Skype? <laughs> it's really my... Is it funnier if I use the Skype sound, or is it funnier if I use my knocking sound? Either way, I got it. Oh, hey there, neighbor. I was just yelling at you from across the idyllic valley in which both of our cabins are conveniently situated. I think it may have started an avalanche. Yeah, didn't you hear all the snow and wind sound effects I used at the start of this? I thought I would have, but apparently I was too engrossed doing cabin things, like building a fire and fending off bears. Oh, wait, we have somebody coming in on Microsoft Teams right now. Hey, oh, oh, can't I can't hear you, Kevin. Microsoft Teams is terrible, and I'll blame it. Not your internet. Okay, maybe this fixed it. Why you guys have such better internet connection than me? We're, like, in the same valley. I think that avalanche that Tyler just caused just buried all of your internet cables and phone cables. Of course. Remember that repeater tower we erected last year? Specifically in the event of being stranded in this idyllic winter valley. Well, that's how I'm getting any connection at all. I think it got knocked over, so I'm not sure how we're talking to each other right now. Poorly. I blame the magic of Microsoft Teams. Blame is not really the right word for that. I gotta look something up real quick, but while I am, we have someone coming in on Discord. Can you guys hear me? My mic's not working so good right now. I, Zach, I can hear I you. I can barely hear you. Alright, that sounds about right. Did you even go to the idyllic cabin in the valley? Would I even go, or did I even go? Did you? Eh, depends. Does it have internet? Yes, we just talked about that. Well, I guess you weren't on the call, but yes. Barely. Maybe. Depends. I got a good internet connection, and people leave me alone for a couple of weeks. I'm more than happy to go to the idyllic cabin in the woods. Zach, did you or did you not? It's very important. Sure, why not? No, Zach, (laughs) no! We're all stuck in a time paradox. If we don't record a holiday special and you're in review and get it out, we'll be stuck here forever. And who knows how long we'll be trapped here. We might, it might be February before this gets out at this rate. And until we get it out, we have to keep watching Build Divers. Oh, God, no, no, not that. It's part of the magic of the valley. Thank God my internet connection won't allow me to stream. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we got to knock this special out quick so we can get back to Destiny. And also Build Divers, I guess. I never thought I would look forward to Destiny. I mean, I was looking forward to Destiny the entire time we were doing Seed. But not for the right reasons, maybe for the wrong reasons. Yeah, although, like I've said a hundred times, I'll say it again here, Destiny, the podcast was in part supposed to be therapy for me for Destiny, but like by the time we got to it, I had come to peace with it. It is what it is. But we got to get this special out, or Riku's going to be haunting us forever. And that kid is dumb. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, welcome, listeners, to the last podcast holiday special that has only been delayed due to a time vortex, and definitely not because we're recording it very late. We haven't recorded last time on video games in a very long time, which is interesting because two of my three video games to talk about are things I've played since the last time we talked about video games publicly. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I think at least one of mine is... Yeah, mine too. So do we want to start this off with our favorite games of the year? That seems like as good a place as any to start, and I'm excited about my favorite game this year. Kevin, what do you have as your best game of the year? My best game of the year would be Persona 4 Golden. Good choice. That is a good choice. I forgot that came out this year. Me too. Oh man, because this year has not really existed. I know what you mean. I also forgot it came out this year. I keep looking at it in my Steam library like, I should play that. Yeah, that was definitely the best game that I have played. Technically, you called Golden, and I originally called Persona 4. But I think that it makes it the first game to have won one of our best games of the year twice. (laughs) Yeah, because normally we don't overlap on these, right? I called Persona 4 my best game of the year in like 2017 or maybe 2016. Gotcha, yeah. Before we did these as a podcast. Yeah, excellent choice. Please feel free to gush about it, Kevin. Really enjoyed. It was my first Persona game because I don't own any PlayStation consoles. You never forget your first time. (laughs) Yes. So it was just really fun. Like, 
I haven't really played anything like it before with the kind of time management a simulator with battle stuff. There kind of is nothing like it, which is amazing to me. I mean, it's a little bit Pokemon, a little bit Final Fantasy, obviously quite a bit Shinten, but then you have that yeah. dating game time management thing put on top of it. And the way that it all links together is just a magic trick. It's one of those games where you look at it and go... How does all this stuff like really work together to make a fun experience? Because it looks like it's way too busy with everything it's doing. And somehow it all comes together. That's really why I want to play a Persona game sometime. I just have to play it when I'm not going to be stressed out by the fact that that's just my real life. I mean, the spoiler is the... (laughs) Fair. I guess that'll make me play it a little bit. The only one I've ever tried is uh, Persona 3, which is the one you got me. So yeah, The thing is, 4 and 3 are very similar, so I don't think it's going to be a better experience for you. Maybe. I'm, I'm in a very different mental state now uh, than the fair. last time I tried to play a Persona game, so... Drugs is good. Drugs is good. Anything else you want to say about it, Kevin? Honestly, Persona uh, 4 made me almost want to buy a PlayStation just to play Persona 5. I do wonder if they're going to start releasing some of the other Persona games on Steam, like uh, Persona 5. It sold incredibly well. I think 5 is tied up in exclusivity problems, and they probably don't want to do 3. A lot of people think it's a step back. The big problem with 3 is you don't control your party members, which I thought was fine and kind of enjoyed, but it's a pretty daunting thing to a lot of people. Yeah, because that was also my hope, was like, with how well Persona 4 Golden did on Steam, they were expecting it to do well, and it still broke all their expectations. Like, we can't believe all these people are buying Persona 4 again. <laughs> like, there are some people that were buying it for the third time. Like, hells yeah, I want to play Persona 4 again. That's a good point, Jeremy, about the exclusivity thing. I hadn't really thought about that, but if Sony's got them on an exclusivity deal for a certain amount of time... Yeah, Sony's pretty bad about that. I guess it's not bad. Strict. It gives them more money to make Persona games. Yeah, I can be a little annoyed about the exclusivity thing, but it's one of those, like, I understand. Yeah, we went for an exclusivity deal, which for the uh, developers was awesome. Like, yeah, all right, cool. You'll pay us more money so that we can actually, like, make a better game. Sure. Zach, what do you have as your best game of 2020? So mine actually, like, went through three different instances. Initially, I was like, well, I guess by default, it's got to be Persona 5R. But then I thought about it, I'm like, uh, not really. So it went to Final Fantasy VII Remake until the really? Steam sale happened. And then I played Doom Eternal. And I haven't <laughs> beaten that game yet, but oh man, even though there's a lot more going on with your flamethrower, your grenades, got a parceling out, your uh, glory kills, more limited ammo, that game is fantastic. Like the visuals, you walk out onto the first level and you look onto this blasted hellscape. There's a huge demon the size of a skyscraper off to one side. Oh man, it plays great. It looks great. It's a little bit more on the story side, but at the same time, you get to slaughter a lot of demons and there are a lot of new fun ones to deal with. So... I'm on board. Here I was thinking you were actually kind of down on it due to something that you mentioned on the Discord. So I thought you actually didn't like that one very much. No, the thing is, the additional complexities in it work in the game. But I think that compared to Doom 2016, I think it let it get itself a little bit too busy in a lot of places. That doesn't mean it's a really bad game. I think, like I said, it's the best game I've played this year. But... At the same time, it does have its faults. That's fair. I should probably pick that one up. Anything else you want to say on it, Zach? If you can play Doom Eternal and you like that kind of high-paced shooting gameplay, it's definitely worth a look and worth a play. The platforming bit's not great, but then you get into a fight with a whole horde of demons to get through a room and scrape through, and you get that pulse-pounding action just going nuts. It's great. This is exactly why I play Enter the Gungeon, actually. <laughs> Gives me that exact same feeling. So what do you have as your best game of the year, Tyler? I actually had a hard time deciding this uh, because, s- spoilers, I guess, for honorable runner runners-up, I played Subnautica Below Zero, but that's still in development and it still shows in a lot of points, but I loved the original. I thought that one came out. It's available for play it's not officially released yet okay i didn't really look that closely at it i played a fair amount of hades um which i can solidly recommend 
I started Fallout New Vegas, which is, man, I really enjoy that. Um, I wish I had given the original Fallout more time now, because apparently this is, or a lot of people think it's a spiritual successor. But uh, my number one game is Horizon Zero Dawn. That game I just found absolutely entrancing. It's gorgeous. You kill giant robot dinosaurs. You can't just stealth your way through everything, and you can't really face tank your way through everything. You actually have to use tactics in the combat. The story's moderately interesting. I just really like that game, and I'm glad I finally got a PC release. Anything else you want to say on it, Tyler? I should play that. I've had it for like three years sitting on a disc. Yep, it's uh, definitely open worldy. So there's a little bit of like, man, these have some like trappings of weird open world games, but not a whole lot of that. Most of the quests feel like organically like melded into the world in a way that a lot of open world games don't. And I think that game got really hurt by coming out at the same time as Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, and I didn't want to play another game like that right after Breath of the Wild. And it's different enough. I probably could have played them back to back, but they're similar enough that eh, possibly up in the air. But I do highly recommend it, especially if you already have a copy of it sitting around. It's, oh no, it was a phenomenal game and I dumped, I think, probably 60 or 70 hours into it pretty easily. Gotcha. My game of the year is actually Civilization VI. Huh. Oh, really? Like right after we recorded the last uh, last time on video games of the year, I got into a huge Civilization VI haul. I was kind of... My depression was bad, and I played a ton of it. I ended up buying both of the expansions, which I think are very, very good. And they've also been doing like half-expansion DLC updates and adding a bunch of super interesting game modes that I only played around a little bit with. The most recent one, they added Mythological Heroes as a mode that you can turn on, and then you can get like Hercules and Sun Wukong. Oh, interesting. There's also a Secret Societies mode where I can't remember what it replaces, but you get to join one Secret Society, which can either be the Illuminati, Vampires, Cthulhu Cult, or um, <laughs> I don't remember what the last one is. And they're just like little interesting add-ons that you can turn on or not that add some fantasy flavor that there are quite good. But also just like the stuff the expansions added to Civ Six. I think really, really helped it. I was going to say, I'm a little bit surprised by this one also, because the last time I remember you talking about it, you were saying that you weren't a huge fan of it. Yeah, that's what I remember, is that you were kind of down on Civ Six, And that's definitely true, but I just decided to play it some more. Listening to you talk about these expansions, uh, my first thought was, man, that sounds like something you get a mod for, not be actually officially in the game. Yeah, and I think they're in a weird spot where they don't quite have the money to do a full expansion, but they can still work on it. And they're like, what will get people excited? And they're like, well, this stuff, this is not really Civ. But if we introduce it as a, you know, optional mechanic, then it doesn't interfere with the people who are like, this should be historical. But the people who are like, yeah, I want Princess Himiko to raise a bunch of people for the dead for me can have that. <laughs> Or like King Arthur's ability is he turns one random person to a questing knight, which only lasts for like, I think, 10 turns, but they become as strong as the strongest military unit anyone has in the game. Oh, that's neat. So yeah, went into a pretty big Civ Six hole. I'm pretty much out of it. I've kind of moved on, but I think that's what I had the most fun with this year. Amusingly, I actually just started a game of Civ Five last night. I've definitely been back into a Civ mood. Tyler gave his runner-ups. Does anyone else have runner-ups they want to mention? I have more runners up. I mean, there's there's a lot of things uh, that I've played, but I don't know that I would say a lot of them got to runners-up status. We played quite a few games as a group, and I, at least one of them is on my one of my other lists. But for me, at least, 2020 was kind of flat. I think for most people. Some people got really, really into Animal Crossing, and some people got really, really into Fall Guys, but there wasn't a lot else, right? Like Final Fantasy VII Remake, both you and I mentioned it. I think it goes more under the most interesting category than the best category. There's not a lot there, but even that game almost won your spot, right? Just because there was so little? Yeah, it, well, and it, it handles pretty well in the combat, but... 2020 was not a particularly good year. I mean, I did find For a game anything? I'm having a lot of fun with, but by no means should it go on a best game of the year list. So what did you put under most interesting, Zach? So most interesting, I initially was thinking I, I'd put Final Fantasy VII Remake again. Yeah, that's also my runner up there because that ending is incredibly interesting. Although you didn't finish it, did you? I, I have not finished it yet, no. Though you know what happens. I do know what happens, but... It, it ended up not getting the nod because the whole thing that makes Final Fantasy VII Remake really an interesting game is all meta stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not really the game itself being interesting. It's what the game is playing with, which if you already know the story, it's 
an interesting twist. If you don't know the story, then it's just weird. So it's kind of cheating to be interesting on virtue of... Yeah, so the game I ended up deciding would be the most interesting game, my most interesting game of the year, was actually Among Us. Okay, I'd forgotten about Among Us. Great choice. It's not a game that I think is particularly good, in large part because if you're not the imposter, there's not a whole lot of like fun stuff that you can really do. But at the same time, like the gameplay aspect of I have to figure out who this is and making it very much a social thing is a very interesting idea to me. Especially it helped out by the fact that it was five bucks on Steam. So it's definitely worth a look if you have any passing interest in that. Just got to remember that uh, the tasks that you're supposed to do if you're not an imposter, they definitely, if they're going to make another one, need to look into those and make them engaging. I was going to say sometime if we're all willing to blow however much it is on Steam on sale at some point, uh, we should look into Project Winter. I think it would be a fun game for us to play. It's a lot like Among Us, except you also have a PvE element, and you can talk to each other outside of voting, but only if you're in close physical proximity with each other in the game. Yeah, I think proximity chat for those sorts of games is the way to go. It's really interesting to me. I like the idea of proximity chat. What do you have in the most interesting slot, Kevin? I also have Among Us there. Oh, okay. Honestly, mainly because I did not play much of anything this year. Same. A ton of WoW Classic, a ton of Legends of Terra, and that's really it, and like a couple other things. For whatever reason, I keep not really thinking about WoW Classic. Granted, it wouldn't have made it onto one of my lists for this anyway, just because of the fact that I wasn't included because I've played it so much before. I think it definitely deserves runner-up for best game, though, for me. I had also not considered it for whatever reason, but I really enjoy playing that with you guys. Yeah, the reason it doesn't go on the lists is playing with you guys in WoW Classic is extremely fun. Playing WoW Classic, I would not do solo. Yeah, it it is very much a more of a uh, let's take the opportunity to hang out than it is let's play a game. It just happens to be a game that we're playing while we're hanging out. Yeah, and like it is fun and... I can understand why people want to play WoW games solo. Like, I, I understand it. It's just that is absolutely not for me. I've got Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory in my most interesting slot, just narrowly beating out Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's a game I've been wanting to talk about on last time for a long time, and we just haven't had a chance to record it. Is that the phone game or is that the DLC? That is the rhythm game. The newish one, right? Yeah, came out in November. It's... Super, super like weird to talk about because it was weird to play. First off, do you want a rhythm game that has Let It Go and One Winged Angel in it? Because I do, <laughs> and it's here. Well, that's interesting. It's got a very interesting s- song selection. I was going to ask if it's like, is there a plot in this game? Like, No, it's essentially the Kingdom Hearts clip episode, only with no introduction or framing bit. Okay. Which is super bizarre. And then at the very end, there is a little, there's like 20 minutes maybe of plot that's kind of suggesting at what direction the um, plot is going to go. And God, am I here, here for it? The problem is it's basically already where it was hinting at. But you do have people speculating that Sora must be in a fictional world now. And yes, feed it to me like grapes. Let's go deeper. <laughs> this is already a fictional world that already contains a whole bunch of Disney worlds from other fictional properties. Let's go one step deeper, Namora. I am here for it. <laughs> but that's not really why it's on the list. The gameplay to it, like, I don't know how to describe it, and I don't know if it's good or not. You're mostly just rhythmically tapping a button, because, duh, it's a rhythm game. And I often found it, like, almost soothing me to sleep in a weird way, which sounds like a huge insult. But then when I beat the game and got all the story out of it, I looked up, is there a secret ending? And it's like, no, but there are these secret tracks. I'm like, ooh, I want to do all the work to get the secret tracks and play them. And I did. So that says something good about it. Yeah, which is why it's in most interesting. Because I really don't know if I think the gameplay is good or not. But I wanted to play more of it when it was over. That's always a particularly strong endorsement. Yeah, that said, like, there are three game modes, and you play one of them for 90% of the game, and then 
One of them is boss battles, of which there are three. And the third at the end of the game, they're just like, this is the gameplay now. It's way more boring and different and you haven't done it before. And I'm like, why, Melody of Memory? Why? I- I'm not mad. I'm confused. <laughs> it's not as much Kingdom Hearts bullshit as I would want, but a nice little injection of it. I was already excited for the next Kingdom Hearts game, but they just confirmed, yes, we're going the direction you hope, Jeremy. And like I said, <laughs> you get to play Circle of Life and A Whole New World and One-Winged Angel and Roxas. What do you have in the most interesting slot, Tyler? I'm a little torn on this, partially because I didn't prepare a most interesting, so I'm doing this on the fly. So I was going to say Medieval Dynasty, because it is a weird simulation, but also like labor management game. And I played a lot of it, despite there not really being much goal in the game. I just like kept expanding an engine where I'd like hire a bunch of people so that they could like sustain their own little village and then go off and do that multiple times. I haven't played it in several months though I think because I was waiting for it to have more of a point and in retrospect I don't think it's actually very interesting. Probably the most interesting game I played this year is Temtem. Is that that MMO Pokemon thing? Yeah it's it's like Pokemon but not. They play with the turn-based combat in a way that is really interesting to me. You always have two Tem out at a time, so it's just always a double battle, and battles are a lot more deadly on average. I find it a really interesting take on Pokemon just because it's the first clone that I've played that isn't awful. (laughs) But like, while I think the gameplay is more interesting, like the level design is arguably worse and the character design is arguably worse and the UI design is arguably worse, but the core mechanics are better. So I'm not really sure where I land on it. I'm very conflicted about it, and I think I'm going to wait until they declare the official no longer an alpha release before playing it. That's always a good idea, because most of those issues that you mentioned with the GUI and all that, it could just be a situation where they're still working on stuff like that. Since it's an alpha, it's obviously not done yet. I would recommend it to hardcore Pokemon enthusiasts, though, because if you like the competitive battles in Pokemon, most of the game feels a lot more strenuous is not really the right word, a lot more engaging than I think a lot of Pokemon battles do, and you don't have to grind quite as much, so you don't get bored between trainer fights. I think it is a thing to watch for if you're a fan of Pokemon and are kind of bored with Pokemon. Do we have any interesting honorable mentions? Like I said, Final Fantasy VII Remake, but we already talked about that. Yeah, I actually have one. I picked up another game called Two Point Hospital. Oh, I meant to talk to you about this, Zach, but I got that for Jen because she played the original game that it was based on. I think you mentioned that to me, actually, Tyler. I think, yeah, possibly. But I went and looked it up, and it's actually made by the same team. I'd have to go find out what it was called, but... It's a fun little tycoon management style game with some wacky, uh, what's it called, like diseases and whatnot. Like, instead of them being real diseases, you have silly things like, they're they're all puns and I can't remember. There's one that's, it's not Pothead, but it's where the guy has a pot literally stuck on his head and you need to build a specific type of thing that can get it off of him. And there's one where they're completely out of color, so you need to build something to give them color again. So it's just a fun fun little game where once you get to a certain point, uh, it kind of runs itself. Mm-hmm. Just going to say it's a fun simulation game. I was just looking up what the original was called, Theme Hospital, apparently, which is a boring name. Speaking of boring names, my most disappointing game is actually going to be Persona 5R. Really? In large part, it's because I didn't play much this year, like we were talked about, and so I was not really disappointed by much. And if you want to hear me talk about it, we, me and Zach went on pretty much at length on a couple episodes of last time on video games. Don't get me wrong, it's still a Persona game. It's still better than most of the video games you've played in your life. No, I actually <laughs> understand where he's coming from on this, and I'll be honest, it's not mine but it's not by much. I think the new party member is excellent, and the new scenario is interesting, but thematically it really clashes with the rest of the game, which is so, so tight. The new ending cutscene objectively worse than the original one. And if you're going to make Akechi so like violently attracted to me and give so much foyer between him and Joker, let me fuck him, you cowards. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, what do you have at most disappointing, Kevin? That's actually where I have League of Legends. I had decided earlier this year that I was going to try and get back into it, and that lasted for about two weeks. Again, because I haven't played much, like, there wasn't much stuff that I would be like, I was disappointed in it, but I was just kind of, you know what, yeah, there's a couple of people that want to get on and play, and it didn't go anywhere. Uh, Yeah, I was one of those people. The problem, I think, was the timing, because we did it right before preseason, and I Mm -hmm. lost motivation because of that. 
and then I found something else I wanted to do. I've been trying to play a bit more, but there's a lot currently still broken. Like, there are a few characters where they really, really broke them with the way they changed things, and I still maintain I'm pretty sure the main problem is due to lethality and the lethality items that they fucked up. What do you have in the most disappointing category, Tyler? That's a good question. I don't know that I had a particularly disappointing game this year. Probably Ori in the Blind Forest. Not because it's a bad game by any stretch, but I was expecting it to hook me more than it did. And like everything about this game seems like it should be made for me. And I just couldn't get into it for some reason. Well, I mean, that is kind of the point of the disappointing category. Uh, One or two. One, by the way. Oh no, it's artsy as heck, The it's got balls-hard platforming segments. Really, those two things should have me all over it, but, eh, I don't know. I'm surprised by it. Ori in the Blind Forest was one of my favorite games. Yeah, I know, and, and I generally have similar tastes in games to you, so when you recommended it so highly. Like you said, it's like, ah, it's super artsy and it's got uh, extremely difficult platforming. Like, I played the first game when the Definitive Edition came out, I bought that, played through it again, when 2 came out. Uh, was that this year? That was this year. I played that. Super fun. I like the concept enough that I think I'm going to try to replay it again at some point, but might just be like sometime way late this year to give it some breathing room. Okay. What do you have as your most disappointing game, Zach? The game that I had at the most disappointing slot was one of the first games I played this year, and that was Tokyo Mirage Sessions Encore. Because you tasted True Persona and you could not go back. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It was that it was literally just Tokyo Mirage Sessions with the DLC included. Like, they didn't add anything else to it. And on top of that, they used the censored version as the base. But at the end of the day, I'm glad the game came out again on Switch because because of the original platform of the Wii U, I don't think it got enough attention when the game first came out. Like, it's still a really fun game and I still really enjoy it. I was just hoping for more. And it definitely had a more hype release this time, I think. Like, I heard people talking about it that weren't just you. Well, that's because it came out on a console people owned. Yeah. But I think, like you said, for uh, I, I think you mentioned this to me one night after we finished recording, like, who is this game for other than people who haven't played it at all because it didn't add a whole lot? It didn't really add anything, actually. As far as I know, everything that they added was stuff that was already in the base game as DLC. So it's basically just a game of the year edition. Any disappointing runners up? For me, Persona 5 are. Same thing with you, Jeremy. It was... I love the new character, but I mean, I go from killing God to fighting my counselor Yeah, to, fi to fighting my school counselor. And I don't actually have mental disease, so it's not a metaphor for anything. Yeah. So they could have done better. A anyone else? I actually have Wizard of Legend was fairly disappointing. Again, not because it's a bad game. Um, I actually found it way too easy. And I don't know, the same sort of massive, ridiculous game-breaking combos I enjoy Slay the Spire for are present in Wizard of Legend, but because Wizard of Legend is much more of an execution challenge, I don't enjoy those combos as much in that. Gotcha. I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but it's an overhead roguelike eight-way shooter. That's what I imagined, so I assume you must have, but maybe I just hit it right on the head. You just know Tyler really well. Yeah, there is that. So I have, they're not exactly the most, like, disappointing games, but they're uh, two games that are kind of like, I want to go back. This year being weird made me, like, start them and then not want to finish them. That's understandable. The first one is Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom. Really, really good-looking JRPG, like really big Studio Ghibli vibes on, like, the characters and the animation and everything. But I just kind of hit this rut where I was like, I just don't want to go through, like, I wanted to play a JRPG, and then I started, and then didn't want to finish it. And the other one being Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, where, again, it's like this kind of exploration thing that I just didn't want to finish. But I do want to go back at some point. Like, I'm sitting there staring at me on my home screen like, you'll play us eventually. Kind of like how I felt about Ori. Like, it's definitely a good game, just wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. I have tons of those. But those two were really big ones where I was like, I really want to try this. And I played through part of it. And then it was almost like I just didn't feel like playing video games. I go through that, that sort of phase sometimes. I go through a cycle as well. That seems to get longer and longer as my life goes on. <laughs> Really quick, I have one nomination for most interesting that I completely forgot about until right this minute. 
that is called For the King, which is a roguelike hex grid RPG thing where you create a character early on or like, I guess, uh, choose a party from a set of classes, kind of like the first Final Fantasy. And you wander around a hex grid map completing arbitrary quests while kind of advancing the main story because you have to do a lot of grinding to level up. But it's also multiplayer at the same time. So one person can control each of the three characters. Oh, no, it's a uh, super interesting game. Um, I just completely forgot about it. And it's like, I think a surprisingly good game that no one has ever heard of, but it's also super complicated. So it's like, I think kind of a niche market. Gotcha. All right. So we've had a lot of fun here today, guys, talking about our cabins and time portals. But did you know in the real world, last podcast has a manga podcast? It's true. Jumpstart Weekly is a weekly manga podcast where every week, Kevin and I read Shonen Jump and talk about how great One Piece is mostly. <laughs> yep, except, well, that's only once a week. What did I, I say? Well, I'm uh, sorry, I meant once every yeah, other yes. week. As, as One Piece has basically become a bi-monthly series. Congratulations on a thousand once more, Odai. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. The following category is brought to you by Jumpstart Weekly, where we did a year-in-review show where we talked about all the stuff in Shonen Jump this year. But what was your favorite manga of the year, Kevin? You know, it's sad I don't even remember what I put at the top of my list. <laughs> I remember <laughs> what you put at the top of your list. It ended this year, at the very end of the year. Oh, yeah, right. We never learned. Um, is that completely over now, then? Yep. But yeah, I think I'd still go with We Never Learned for my top manga, because I haven't read much quote-unquote manga outside of... Actually, I don't think I've read anything outside of what we've been reading for uh, Weekly Shonen Jump. So we just... On our year-in-review show, we pretty much just covered the stuff that's in Shonen Jump. My best manga of the year is something that we've been reading monthly for this show, which is Bakuman. It's huh. incredible, and you should gotcha. read it. I mean, I, it was a hard year for everybody. I had a really hard time, and I just said, fuck it, I'm reading all the Bakuman. And I sure as hell felt better after that. <laughs> I need to read the two full series I have. I just haven't done that yet. I will put out an honorable mention to uh, my favorite manhwa that I've been reading, which is solo leveling. You can listen to our, uh, what was that, November? Yeah. That we did the the month of non-manga manga. Non-manga comics. Yes, non-manga comics. And I've actually been getting into Webtoons specifically, although solo leveling isn't on there. But just the Korean Webtoons is like additional stuff to be reading. And solo leveling is one that just really grabbed me. I'm actually debating reading the light novels of it gotcha well you know what's like manga anime and it's a gundam is kind of an anime podcast sort of so what was your favorite anime this year tyler i felt like got caught up on my hero academia so does that count because that I, was good oh yes that's what i need to get caught up on that just barely fell out because i was watching it as it aired and the better part of this season was 2019 although that end of her stuff at the end yes please I'm trying to think of what anime I even watched, but... Uh, I know I you probably... watched Descendants of a Bookworm. I did. Yeah, that one kind of dropped off as it got away from, I feel, its core philosophy, but I'd still probably watch the second season of it. A and My Life as a Villainous. Yeah, that was great. Oh, uh, I love that one. That I'm expecting to hit someone's top. We'll see, though. I watched Rising of the Shield Hero, which was pretty decent. I started watching Ancient Magus Bride, which is basically, I feel, just a long-form Miyazaki movie right now. Oh, really? Because I feel like it's long-form Beauty and the Beast. Though I guess by Miyazaki. I like Ancient Magus Bride. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I also I like to watch it. that. Have you watched Slime, Tyler? No. I'd have to look up the full title to ask what the full title is. That time I got reincarnated as a slime. Okay. I, I wondered if there was like something about a dungeon in there, but I think I just always confuse it with that book that I read that's vaguely the same idea. That one's different. There's several slime-related uh, light novels. <laughs> oh, no. Of course. Like, there's one that I read that uh, um, I've been killing slimes for 300 years and maxed out my level. I stopped reading that one because it wasn't great, but... I think we have to blame Akira Toriyama for this. Yes. Uh, why did you make the slimes design so good, Toriyama? I know, it's because it's all you can do. <laughs> what do you have as your best anime of the year, Zach? <laughs> I watched a lot of anime, but I don't really feel like it's fair to pick something out of my adventure because of the fact that i've been like those are all stuff that i own that's stuff i had already picked up it's kind of tough maybe villainous because that one was just a lot of fun 
It was super fun. The movie for Goblin Slayer was this year, and that one was a lot of fun. I really liked that. The one that probably did the most damage was I found the Azure Lane anime. So that started me playing the game. Got me married twice. Uh, you paid? You paid to get married a second time? No, they had a sale and it was just all the free. I had a bunch of free gems and I wasn't using them on anything else. Gotcha. I, I ran across a lot of them. If I had to pick the best one, I would probably give it to Villainous, though, of the ones that I can remember watching this year distinctly. That was a super runner up for me. It's like a right in second for me. Just barely edged out. It was quite good. It was very fluffy. There's, I think, pretty much no substance to it, which is why it ends up in number two for me. But it was a ton of fun. Yeah, so surprisingly charming will be nothing. Like, I, I saw a lot of them, like I said, and I like I also watched all of um, Misfit at Demon Academy, which isn't, like, stellar, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I really liked that one. Um, but yeah, just, just thinking of the ones that I watched that I don't own, <laughs> Villainous ruled the roost on that one. Although... Man, Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia Fate Grand Order was really good. I liked that one quite a bit. Like, the first thing I did with my extra free time from COVID was watch a ton of anime. Mostly stuff I, like, saying I hate watched it isn't quite true, but it was, like, expand my horizon stuff. I watched a lot of Isekai, which I traditionally do not like. I watched a lot of Emoto stuff, which I won't say if that's a guilty pleasure or not. You have to decide, audience. But what ended up being my favorite was ReZero. I was going to put Villainous over it because ReZero Season 2 isn't over yet. It's finishing in 2021. But then I remembered I watched Season 1 this year. And it's hard to talk about ReZero because it's so popular. It gets backlash of people saying, oh, it's not actually that good. But it is. It's one of the only good isekai. I keep thinking, because I've been told by you and by Kevin, people I trust, that it's very good but that the first episode is just really difficult to get through. Yes. The first couple, I think, are. But the first one's an hour long, which makes it harder. I couldn't get through that first episode, and I just haven't gone back. So would it be worth going back and going through those first couple of episodes? I think it is, personally. Yeah, absolutely. You like Isekai more than me, and how, like misanthropic it is towards isekai is part of why i like it so much i feel like it's one of the very few isekai which is genuine substance but it's not fun in the traditional way no and that's not to say it's like bridge over the river kwai where like there's nothing good about it there are still you know waifus galore and some pretty good fight scenes and stuff but you're not ever going to finish an episode of free zero with a smile on your face that sounds really rough it kind of is I don't think that's totally true. I mean, the end of season one, I guess? Well, like, I think there's a couple of episodes that have, like, more of a triumphant beat. Like, there's definitely, like, there's ups and downs to the story. So I don't think every single episode ends on a downer. I just think downers are better cliffhangers, and the show is very good at ending on cliffhangers. It does do a lot of downers. I just meant there's not, I don't think every single episode ends on a downer. So basically what you're saying is watch an episode of ReZero, get depressed, then counter it by watching an episode of Isekai Quartet. I mean, that could work. So yeah, that's my number one pick. What about you, Kevin? All right, so my number one pick is going to be My Next Life is a Villainous. I am the most Isekai fan out of the three of us, I'm pretty sure. There are four of us. The four of us, thank you. And I really liked My Next Life as a Villainous. I do have a couple of runners up for, like, this is honestly kind of hard. A lot of it was me going, wait, that that did come out this year, Jesus. I feel like this year was actually more of a strong year than, like, I had initially thought. Because as I was thinking about stuff, I'm like, you know, I don't think I've watched something this year that I legitimately did not like. There's a lot of that. I think also... With it being the COVID year, like, I have this just completely skewed sense of time. I was like, no, that 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 didn't happen that year. It, it did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been alive now for four decades. And one of them was 2020. I was thinking March <laughs> specifically. So, my couple honorable mentions, obviously ReZero. Yes, season two is not totally done, but just amazing to come back to ReZero. Because I watched the first season basically as it came out like i missed the first i want to say three episodes and then uh fan service the rt anime podcast or uh, i guess show that i used to watch was like dude you got to be watching this i was like okay so i went back got caught back up so i've been waiting for a long time for that and it has not disappointed it's been a super good show to watch i actually watched all of ascendance of a bookworm this year and actually really liked it i started watching it cuz technically it released first season released last year but 
I watched it when the second season was done and really enjoyed it. And then Tower of God is the anime that really got me into reading webtoons. It was one of the few, they've done like five or six that were webtoon originals that Crunchyroll has brought over into animation. And so it made me go back and actually read those webtoons. All right, on to most disappointing anime. Again, I watched a lot of anime this year, so there's lots of room for disappointment here. The new Digimon is super perplexing, and sometimes the animation isn't. And they like make an interesting choice like once every 10 episodes that makes me want to keep watching. And then I have to sit through nine episodes of nothing. So it's a real close runner-up, but at least it does do something interesting every 10 episodes. And sometimes they hire animators, and that's nice. <laughs> Gundam Build Divers Re-Rise, the second season aired. Uh, much better than the original Build Divers, but I still feel like a diseased man who was compelled to watch it uh, and didn't <laughs> super enjoy it. Rising of the Shield Hero is not really disappointing in the traditional sense. I just think it's in desperate, desperate need of genuine criticism on the internet, but this is not my soapbox to do that, and I've tired of talked about it before. My most disappointing pick is Yasahime, which, similar to Re-Rise, has that boring but I feel compelled to watch it thing. It's just Re-Rise actually took some of the concepts that Build Divers left on the table and ignored and did stuff with them. Whereas I feel like Yasahime has done nothing. I would agree with Jeremy on that one. What do you have at most disappointing, Zach? I kind of had the same thing. I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, there were a few of them that I was watching, but I think Yasahime is currently holding that crown. It's still coming out. Because unlike most of these other ones, I think it's got a full 25 or 26 episodes. Unless they're planning on having it be in perpetuity. If that's the case, they desperately need to find a plot. One of the runners-up I had for most disappointing was actually a series I really enjoyed. I just think that it needs the second season. And that was, I think it was called the La Our Last Crusader Rec Journey to a New World. I can never, it's got a weird, like, it's got a light novel title for what that's worth. I enjoyed it while I was watching it. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, this... This is in desperate need of either more time or a second season, which goes into more time, because there's at least two episodes which I really enjoyed, but they were kind of nothing episodes, filler episodes in a series that only had 13 episodes total. But at the end of the day, I decided, you know what, Yasuhime has to be the most disappointing because we're 13 episodes in at the beginning of 2021, and... I'm not sure they found a plot yet. They almost have characters. They're really close to it. What do you have in the most disappointing category, Kevin? I basically can't say. I didn't really watch anything like, I guess I'd have to give it to Digimon Adventure, even though that's not like, I think my issue is there's probably something that I was disappointed more in that has literally just left my head. Yeah, that, well, that's why I always try and go with disappointing and not worst, because something can be disappointing and still be good. It's just not what you expected or what you really wanted it to be, so. And that's totally fair, but I haven't watched anything that's, like, at that level, I guess, besides Digimon Adventure. Wasn't that season five of Food Wars came out this year? Oh, yeah, God, that was bad. Didn't watch it. Good choice. Dude, I fell off on season three. Good choice. That manga's good, though. Read that. I know you yes. did, so. What do you, <laughs> what's the most disappointing anime for you, Tyler? I'm honestly not sure I had one. I was really choosy about my anime this year, mostly because I don't watch a ton of anime in general, so the ones that I chose I vetted pretty well beforehand. I'm not sure it's disappointing, but I bounced off of One Piece for some reason. I was in the middle of like a pretty decent arc, too. They had like just recruited Chopper. Don't know why I stopped watching right that second. To be fair, you're about to where One Piece gets good. You're also right where One Piece gets stretched thin in the anime. Fair. I decided at that point that I wanted to maybe just go read the manga. That's not a bad choice. I think it's worthwhile to finish Alabasta as an anime, but it's better as a manga, so. I also started watching Hunter x Hunter, which is like... Ooh. Which version? I don't know. Did it look like it was animated 100 years ago or yesterday? Yesterday. That one's pretty good. I like that anime. It's very shonen. It's extremely shonen. I, I wouldn't say I'm like disappointed with it. It's just, uh, it's simultaneously a little one note, but also I keep watching it. So how far are you out of curiosity? I think I'm on episode eight or so. So Hisoka has shown up. Yeah. The clown guy. Yes. He's Frieza Joker. <laughs> That's a pretty accurate <laughs> way of describing that. Yes. Like what if I took the best villain from America and combined him from the best villain from Japan? 
It turns out it would be pretty good, <laughs> is, is the answer to that question. Yes. So sorry to make you go twice in a row, Tyler, but you wanted to talk about board games you played this year, so we created the best board game category. So what you got? Sure. I have three that I'm going to talk about for like 30 seconds apiece, because two of them are very similar. One is Everdell, which definitely is not a new board game, but it was relatively new to me. It is a worker placement with like a cutesy animal theme. What makes it a slightly different worker placement game is that you basically build a village out of cards and you have a limited number. So the way you gain points is simultaneously between placing workers and then gathering resources to buy quests, which are then permanent always, but only for you. It's kind of like Waterdeep, but the fact that things that you can buy have direct synergies with each other in a way that completing quests in Waterdeep doesn't makes it a pretty interesting game for me. Uh, another one was called Stone Age, which was a worker placement where you like try to build a little village. Um, it's nothing super special. It's like the most worker placement-y worker placement I've ever played, but it's certainly fun, and I like worker placements enough as a genre that this like super stripped-down example of it is pretty neat. And the very, very last one is Five Minute Mystery, which is a game where you have a group of people chaotically yelling at cards while one person has to work at like a cipher thing on a time limit to do logical deduction stuff. It's a super fun game, and I think it's also only like $20, so definitely recommend that. I mean, this year was also the time we finally got the chance to play that betrayal on, ho- on uh, House on Haunted Hill. That's true, we finally did. I had a lot of fun playing that. I won the game we played of that. That's true. You kill us all, you jerk. Did you have any other best board games, Zach? I can't remember what the one you brought. I can't was either. And I was thinking that was really good. Shadow Hunters, maybe. It is Shadow Hunters, yeah. Yeah, it sounds right. Because you have hunters and shadows. And neutrals. Oh my. Did you have a board game, Kevin? I know it was not a good year for board games, so No, not really. Uh, unfortunately. There was plenty of moments where it's like, yes, I would love to play more board games. Like most board game enthusiasts, I have several games that I own that I have not played. But this year was especially bad for it because at a certain point, we weren't allowed to meet up anymore. So I've got Coup as my best board game. It's a game I've watched played quite a bit, but I finally got a copy and got to play it this year with my family. Nice. It's real nice because it's like a 10, 15 minute game, but it's like got a lot of tactical depth. It's a bluffing game primarily. And I just love the conceit of it, where you can only use the powers on the cards you have, but nobody can see what cards you have. Is it just KU or like is a military it coup? C-O-U-P. C-O-U-P. Okay. The theming on it is really weird and weak, but the game itself is great. Like Dominion, my, one of my other favorite board games. Yeah, it's solid. <laughs> we will almost certainly play it sometime because it's super quick. Uh, do you have a most disappointing board game, Tyler? I don't know. Yes. Actually, no. Strong yes, now that I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking on it, is actually Gloomhaven, which I've heard talked about only highly, and I definitely enjoy it, but it's a little bit one-note, I think. Pretty much our entire group, like, we'll sit down and play a game occasionally, but, like, mostly because we want to do, like, story progression and town building, but the game is so much into just, like, the tactical fighting that, like, Unless you really, really enjoy randomized tactics, it gets a little tedious after a while because the gameplay doesn't vary enough. The progression is too slow. Yeah, it might just be that the progression's a little slow, but like it only takes two or three combats for you to like get bored with the hand that you've built, and it takes way more than two or three combats to level up. Not a bad game by any means, just... It gets a little tedious after a while, and after hearing everyone talk about it so highly, it's kind of eh. Zach, Kevin, do either of you have a most disappointing board game? I think I'm the uh, least interested in general board games, uh, and we didn't play a whole lot of them this year to begin with, so I no, I don't actually have a most disappointing board game. Yeah, basically my most disappointing board game is the fact that I did not get to play next to any board games. My most disappointing board game is Hot Ones the Board Game. Because it's just truth or dare with hot sauce. On the other hand, the middle level hot sauce in that is the best hot sauce I've ever had. (laughs) Does it actually come with hot sauce? Yeah, it comes with, you're familiar (laughs) with hot ones, I assume. Yeah. It comes with their, you know, their death sauce. I can't remember what it's actually called. The last stab. That's it. The one they start on and one of the ones in the middle. The one they start on is basically just Tabasco that tastes slightly worse. The end game one I had one dab of and it did not taste good and it did hurt myself. So it was not, (laughs) oh God, what have I done to myself? But it was not a fun time. But the middle one, genuinely delicious. Like tasted super good, exactly as hot as I wanted it. 
Like I was like, can I keep this hot sauce? And my brother was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So we also wanted to do books. So Tyler, what was your best book of the year? I think my best book on combination of being most interesting and also well-written is Gideon the Ninth, which is a book, according to the tagline on the front, about lesbian necromancers in space exploring a gothic haunted castle. Yeah, I listen to another podcast where a guy recommends that book constantly. It is super interesting because it's like structure wise, it's almost like five books mashed together starring the same characters. So it like almost has a screenplay feeling for like a weird avant garde movie. Oh, no, it was very good. All the characters are fairly compelling. You, You feel somewhat attached to all of them. The plot is pretty decent. My one problem is that the pacing is a little whiplash. So like it almost goes too fast for you to sit and process things. Zach, you read a lot. Or so I hear. What was your best book of the year? I used to read a lot. I haven't been reading nearly as much as I used to, and that's kind of a shame. Book of the year that I had, I I really want to read Rhythm of War, but just haven't. Me neither. But uh, I think I got to go with Battleground by Jim Butcher, the latest Dresden book, because there is an event that's just absolutely badass and a moment that in a different moment where it's just like well that happened and zach's not allowed to talk about them because i haven't read it yet yep and i can't talk about them because jeremy and tyler you haven't read it yet either have you nope did you read peace talks i haven't oh peace talks is okay (laughs) spoiler more soon basically they're the same book Technically, they're not the same book. They were written as the same book. They have two different ISBNs, therefore not the same Technically, book. Technically, yes, but it was basically a publishing thing where he was like, I wrote this novel that was way too large to like for our publishers to make, so we're splitting it into two. Uh, what's you got as top book of the year, Kevin? Rhythm of War. I've read a ton this year. I'm actually like looking at some of this. I'm like, wow, I did read a shit ton of books. But Rhythm of War was definitely my favorite book i reread through all of the stormlight archive before getting to it and that was just a super fun adventure but yeah rhythm of war was just super fun i'm glad to hear it because i'm looking forward to reading it so it was a great read and then i actually read through uh, this would be honorable mention i read through all of ascendance of a bookworm that's available in english and really liked that as well like i tore through that in like two weeks and it's like 10 novels. I'm an illiterate lout who only reads them Bam Pow books with the pictures. So the only <laughs> book I read this year was Peace Talks. So my best, most disappointing book of the year is Peace Talks. Uh, pretty good first half of a book. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish uh, that exactly enough time for me not to be able to ride the momentum didn't occur between it and the second half coming out. All right. Anything else people want to say for this special? Did we want to do movie? Uh, I have a most disappointing movie if we want. I've got a couple of pretty good ones. All right, let's do best movie. Mine is, I gotta have to look up the, the name of it. One second. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, um, while you're looking it up, I have a most disappointing book, which was Alloy of Law, also by Brando Sando. So, really, you didn't like it? I liked it, but it was like, I don't know. It did not live up to my expectations based on some of the other stuff that I've read from him, so I think I must have just had my expectations too high. Have you read his other Mistborn stuff? I've read Era 1. Okay. And I like that a lot more. Yeah, I was like, that probably would have gone over very poorly if you jumped into what is essentially book four. Yeah, I like the other stuff in Mistborn better. I like the Gen 2 okay. All right, so moving on to movies, my top movie of the year was My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising, the last movie I saw in a theater. (laughs) Oh, wow. It was better than the other movie I saw in a theater this year, Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) That was this year? Yeah, February. It was this year, but you were allowed to go places still, Zach? So it doesn't feel like it. Okay. Wow. That was a fun time. The ending could have been a little better, but boy, was it fun. Mm -hmm. What do you got for best movie, Zach, since you watched a lot? (laughs) That's difficult. Like like I said earlier, the, uh, the Goblin Slayer movie was really good. A fun D&D-esque romp, but uh, I think of the movies that I watched, A Silent Voice was really, really good, but I think I gotta go with Your Name. Good choice. Super solid. I had a hard time deciding between those two. It was hard to decide between the two of them, 
And I remember I made the mistake of watching your name while I was working, which is what I've been doing. I've just had it on while I'm doing my my uh, job. And as opposed to everything else, I got really into your name. So I spent most of the movie watching it instead of doing my job. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas a silent voice, I specifically set time aside on, I believe it was a Sunday to watch it. So in your name has a little bit of the benefit over a of a silent voice in that man, the first half or so of a silent voice or is really rough not not in that it's bad but in that oh man is it hard to watch in places yeah it, it gives you that uh shared cringe reflex yeah but it, at the same time it also really it has two effects on the one hand is like do i really want to see this guy get redeemed or like I want to see how this guy goes about redeeming himself, and it's not just like the movie's like okay, yeah, this guy's going to be redeemed because he's the main character, which is bad writing. It actually like that's the entire point of the movie. So both of them very good. There's a quite a few really good movies. Goblin Slayer was on Funimation. That was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think of the other movies I own that actually would qualify because I have a couple of them that are just like the series and then they ended it with a movie which i wouldn't necessarily count as the same thing but all right do you have a top movie for the year tyler i was trying to think on that and i think i'm gonna have to abstain i honestly can't think of any movies i've really watched this year i watched the craft for the first time i think that's good if it's the one i think it is uh yeah it was okay (laughs) i think everyone (laughs) in the room enjoyed it more than i did do you have one kevin yeah hamilton Oh, man, I forgot about Hamilton. Asterisk, that is a play. But... Have you watched the film theory on that? Because maybe <laughs> disagree? No, I have not watched the film theory on that. Well, I mean, especially because they uh, they brought the cast back together to do this filming. It's true. Look, I, I'm not saying it's disqualified. I'm just saying there's an asterisk. Yes, there is an asterisk. It, it was a play. But I didn't get a chance to go see the play, mainly because I can't make it to Broadway. I mean, I could, but I, that's expensive. And I'm a huge musical fan. So when uh, Hamilton came out on Disney Plus, I actually bought Disney Plus for a month to watch it. And that was just like, I understand why everyone was talking about it when it came out. And it's just really good. I had a very similar experience with it because I'm also a big musical fan. And I, I don't know, I watch it and I'm like, oh. No wonder this is so goddamn popular right now. Yeah. It is really good. I'm about to say something that's going to shock everybody. I haven't seen it. What? Zach isn't into musicals. <laughs> Zach doesn't watch movies. Do you have a most disappointing movie, Tyler? Is it also The Craft? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit because it was talked up to me. I'm actually trying to remember the name of the other movie that we watched that night because that might have been taken my best movie because it was just really solid. Slither, that's what it's called, starring... Uh, young Nathan Fillion. It had a lot of like quasi big name actors before they got big, and it was surprisingly fun. I also watched Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time. That was maybe well, most I think disappointing. That one's but yeah, it was sure a weird musical. Mm-hmm. Zach, do you have a most disappointing movie? I don't think so. I, I didn't. I don't actually like I said watch a whole lot of movies, and the ones that I did were movies that had been talked up to me and. When I actually popped them in, I'm like, oh, this is probably not going to be as good as this is exactly as good as all of my friends have told me it is. How about you, Kevin? My most disappointed movie is the fact that uh, (laughs) we haven't been to an actual movie theater in forever. Yeah, is is Tenet, because you didn't get to watch it in a movie theater, slash watched it at all, is almost where I am. Yeah, um, yeah, that's like, that's a bit of it. I actually haven't done anything with it either, but... I'm at the point where it's like, you know, I miss going to the movies with Jeremy. Like, usually, a lot of the time, it'd just be me and Jeremy going to see something. Mm -hmm. I miss it too, buddy. One day, maybe. Maybe we can do it again. Uh, Unless all the movie theaters are, you know, shut down. My most disappointing movie is Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. Welcome to my TED Talk. You've activated my trap card. Oh, God. (laughs) I heard that was awful. (sighs) The problem is I could write a better movie, which is my least favorite kind of movie, is one where I'm like, oh, I could write this movie better. So you've seen ads for it, I assume, for it being on HBO Max. You know Wonder Woman being in that golden armor at the end? Mm-hmm. The setup for that is Chris Pine walks in. And he's like, oh, what's that gun you have on the mantle? 
and Diana's like, oh, my friend Chekhov gave that to me. He said I should wear it in the final act. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I watched the screen rant for it. What a big thing that he picked apart was the whole thing with uh, Chris Pine taking over the other dude's body. Here's the thing about Wonder Woman 1984. Steve Trevor, worst love interest in comics. Chris Pine, worst Chris in Hollywood. Best part of that movie. Because they just do like... So there's a lot of problems with Wonder Woman 1984. One of it, which is that it starts with an action scene when Diana was young that has no bearing on the plot and then goes to another action scene that kind of has a bearing on the plot in the modern day. And then you have to establish the status quo for Kristen Wiig, who's playing Cheetah and the, you know, normal for Diana. And that's all super, super boring and takes forever. But then Steve Trevor possesses some guy's body and it's just like Captain America jokes of him being like, Whoa, escalators. Whoa, Pop-Tarts. Whoa, planes. That's way more charming than it has any right to be. While Kristen Wiig <laughs> is like, hey, Wonder Woman, call me. Um, and I'm like, oh, man, gotcha. these 20 minutes of the movie have no bearing on the plot and don't need to be here. But there would be no good part of the movie if they weren't here. So what do you do with them? I also feel, I don't know if it's the director or Kristen Wiig, but it really seemed to me like she was playing Cheetah as like, super down on herself to the point where she has a crush on everybody because she has such low self-esteem. And I'm like, oh, it would be super interesting to have a version of Cheetah that like is so desperate to date anybody that she doesn't love herself as contrasted to a version of Wonder Woman who is like unconditionally loves everybody. But uh, that gets dropped about halfway through and she just becomes Avril Lavigne who slowly turns into a terrible looking furry. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, Kristen Wiig, you were trying so hard at the start. I feel like this movie was filmed sequentially, and then you just realized halfway through that you couldn't save it. You gave up. (laughs) Also, the ending doesn't drag nearly as much as the beginning, but there's definitely a scene that was 100% a reshoot when they decided to release it at Christmas that doesn't need to be there. Because the movie was taking place at 4th of July before that. Also for no reason. I remember seeing something about the ending, like um, they're, you know, poking at the logic of it of like, okay, this only works if everybody wishes for something extremely selfish. What if like one person wishes to like, you know, world peace or like, you know, save his dying wife or whatever. Nope. You got to give that shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ends on a spirit bomb moment. That's worse than any spirit bomb in Dragon Ball Z. And there are some lousy Dragon Ball Z spirit bombs. (laughs) And, and yeah, the ending doesn't make any sense. Like, ah, the part where Wonder Woman's losing her powers. I have you have the plot, the script has to say, oh no, Wonder Woman's losing her powers because the only visual indicator is that she gets shot in the shoulder and bleeds. And I thought it was just a cool effect they decided to do. <laughs> well, yeah, because she's not indestructible. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, she got shot in the shoulder. Okay, that's kind of cool. I was like, you're losing your powers, Diana. This is terrible. Like, what? <laughs> you're losing your powers, but I like I just I missed blocking the bullet. Like the only, I have the indestructible wrist guards. That's it. There were three troop transports shooting at you with machine guns. I can buy this one. That's fine. <laughs> Not a good movie. Although, like I said, Chris Pine, best part of that movie. Pedro Pascal, incredibly sexy in that movie. Super weird to me that like, I- I'm a guy who considers himself very, very straight. Like I would say distressingly straight. <laughs> but I was like, why are Pedro Pascal and uh, Chris Pine in this movie so much more attractive than the women? Like, I-, I guess this female director is doing something right. Uh, so yeah, that's my TED Talk on Wonder Woman 1984. DC, please give me better movies. I know you won't. But we can hope. Tyler, I gave up on that long ago. <laughs> Fair. DC has broken Jeremy, Tyler. Yes. My favorite movie, period, is The Dark Knight. I Just, like, even something as good as The Dark Knight Rises, I'd take. Everybody gets one. Aquaman's okay. Anything else we want to talk about? There's a couple of them that are not, like, on the top of the list, but a couple of things that I saw were recommended this year, like Magnificent Kotobuki as an anime that I would definitely recommend if you've got an interest in airplanes. Because, oh man, they did such a good job with all the dogfighting and stuff in that show. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other random things. I mean, at some point, I'm going to try by the end of January to get a full inventory on the stuff that I own, the anime that I own, in case people want to give me recommendations, or if people want to ask me, what the hell is that? All right. I guess the only things left is for us to all open our Christmas presents to each other. The Grinch? What are you doing? No! Give those back, the Grinch! Don't make us watch more build divers! Please, Grinch! Have mercy! I think the Grinch took our presents, guys. God damn it, not again. That bastard. I put up Grinch traps this year, too.
Well, at least it wasn't the Jim Carrey Grinch. <laughs> oh, was it not? That's probably why your traps didn't work, Tyler. So I guess if we ever get out of this time vortex, we'll open presents then. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Fuck you, 2020. Both 2021's better. Yeah, let's hope. Thank you again to all our listeners very much. We very much appreciate you putting up with us and listening to our bullshit. Yeah, I hope everybody had uh, had happy holidays and whatnot. Looking forward to the new year. And we do very much appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast, even if you don't participate on the Patreon or say anything in the Discord. Please drop by the Discord. I love having people to talk to. Um, but it's yeah, Zach's only form of social contact these days. Pretty much. <laughs> I always like talking to people. I'm glad people are listening, and I really hope 2021 is a better year. It's a low bar. But it's still there. It's still there, but it's low. Look, there might be one day a Gundam series worse than Build Divers. It could happen. All right. Until next year. Merry Christmas, everybody. 